0: Well, greetings, brethren, and happy Sabbath to all. Just doing a sound check before we go live, looking for confirmation that you can hear my voice and also that uh, the volume is good. I've had a couple of comments where people are hoping that I would turn up the volume. When I see everything on my side here, the volume looks uh, perfect to me. But if I could just get some feedback that uh, I'm coming through and that uh, the volume level is good, I can see just going to the cgi.online.church. Happy Sabbath, Becca, Pastor Murray, I see you there, Jeff in Macedonia, welcome back, and Bobby, or is that Bo- Baba or Bobo? I think it's Bobo, my, my eyes are <laughs> failing when it's such a small, great print. Greetings, happy Sabbath to all, and I know that uh, some are joining us on Facebook, some are joining us on YouTube, some are joining us on Roku, there are other platforms. Welcome, oh, Bob was already in use, okay, greetings, Bob. So I think uh, I think my sound must be coming through. Happy Sabbath to all. Blessings. We'll get started in just a bit. Just waiting for a confirmation on the sound. Thank you. Sister Becca got the message that the volume and sound are good. That's great. And hopefully you're hearing the piano now as well. We'll get started in just a few moments. Today's message is entitled The Great Exchange, Part 1, and I'll be delivering it. The Great Exchange.
1: Sabbath afternoon, everyone. It's certainly a pleasure to be together again here on God's Holy Sabbath Day. What a privilege it is to understand holy time, the gift that God gave mankind back in creation. And today is the 23rd day of the sixth month. Uh, Very significant because that means we are one week away, exactly one week away from the beginning of the fall festival season. That begins next Sabbath, next Friday evening at sunset with the Feast of Trumpets welcome everyone. It's certainly a a privilege to be together again and we appreciate the opportunity for you to join in on our service here in in the Burlington congregation. We will uh, go to and we will begin as we normally do with an opening prayer. and We'll go to our brother Dylan Swan to provide that opening prayer.
2: Let's all bow our heads. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, we'd like to thank you for Thank you for being with us here today. Thank you for the Sabbath, and thank you for the understanding that you've blessed us with and for the understanding that you've blessed our leaders with and for the Holy Spirit you've given us. And and Heavenly Father, we ask that you continue to bless us and bless our leaders with your insights and and the bravery to speak your word. And um, we also ask that you continue to open our hearts that we may Take in all your messages that you send us, and just take in your word and your spirit and uh Father just grant us the courage and the wisdom to to navigate this world in in your way in this way that you've been showing us and um we ask that you um, put your spirit in the in our speaker today and And help him with the message and help us all to take it in. Father, just please know that we love you and and we come to you in the name of your your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother Dylan. Appreciated that opening prayer. We will now go to our first hymn, uh, which will be from page 179 in your hymn books. And again, we thank uh, Sister Jennifer for always providing the live piano feed. If you've had the opportunity to have live through live piano, which uh, we do with a couple of our sisters in our congregation, CDs just don't quite sound the same, although we're very blessed to have those CDs when needed as well. So we will, uh, again, appreciate the piano playing, and we will go to page 179. We will sing Send Light." The words will be on your screen. you sister for that uh, piano it helped us uh, come together in song before our great god uh, again as i've mentioned before here i always wonder what it will sound like to our god in heaven when he hears our combined voices uh, someday we will get to hopefully hear that we will now go to our scripture reading which will be brought to us by our brother from ottawa peter wilcox he will be reading to us from daniel chapter 12 verses 1 to 4
3: some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase.
1: Thank you, brother. We will now move to the announcements. We just have a few announcements for today. First off, next Sabbath, as I mentioned in the introductory comments, is the Feast of Trumpets. We will once again have uh, Sabbath services here at this on uh, this very whether you're watching by Facebook or YouTube. We're here on the the, uh, the church app. At 2.30 p.m., as we do every week, it uh, is the Feast of Trumpets, so it is a holy day, so do prepare in advance to uh, bring an offering to our God. Pastor Adrian, uh, who will be speaking later on, later on in a few minutes, he will be bringing us the sermon next Sabbath as well. We're looking forward to that. Uh, this coming Wednesday, as we typically have at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, is the online Bible study, again, here on, in these very same platforms you're listening to today as you know if you've been tuning in we've been working our way through the third book of psalms this coming week will be in psalm 78 a very lengthy but very meaningful one so if you can't catch it live which we hope you can because there's an opportunity to participate in some chat uh, in the chat room which is uh, always uh, enjoyable to get to chat with our brethren from far and wide and be sure to catch up uh, in the archives if you don't get to watch it live. For our local congregation, our after-sermon discussion will take place at 6 p.m. Please refer to the weekly bulletin and we'll post uh, something in our Slack uh, chat room for uh, details on that after-sermon discussion later this afternoon. Um, As our regular viewers are aware, the messages here from our leaders are often interwoven and build off of each other. In an effort to bring meat into season, we began preparing for the fall festival season a couple of weeks ago. Just a reminder, if you've missed either of those two messages, do circle back and catch them in the archives. We began with a message entitled, Are You Really Prepared for Christ's Return? And then last week, a profound message by our Deacon Jan Kowalczyk on trumpets, remembering the covenant. So again, if you you missed any of those, do circle back and, and catch up on those. I would also like to take the opportunity on behalf of of, uh, Pastor Adrian and Deacon Jan to thank the many uh, who do send us in notes of thanks and encouragement. It's certainly a blessing uh, and a privilege uh, to be able to serve together in this way. And it's also very encouraging to hear that the messages have provided value and edification for you. So, again, on behalf of my brothers, we do thank you for taking the time to send in those very encouraging notes. Today, uh, following this next hymn, Pastor Adrian will bring us home. As I mentioned, we started the preparation a couple of weeks ago. He'll bring us home in this final message before the Feast of Trumpets entitled The Great Exchange. Uh, It also has a subtitle of part one, so that's a bit of a hint as to what the uh, next Sabbath's message, as we uh, gather for the Feast of Trumpets, will be. But uh, we will hear today part one of a sermon entitled The Great Exchange. But first, we're going to sing from page 13 in our hymn books. And again, the words will be uh, posted on your screen. Take time to be holy. Take time to be holy. And then the sermon.
0: Well, greetings, brethren. Welcome to another Sabbath service here from CGI Burlington. Can you believe, brethren, that it has been 19 years, that's a long time, 19 years since 9-11? And I think when I say 9-11, all over the world, wherever you are in the world, you can picture that image of those planes going into the Twin Towers. And how not just the nation of America, but the whole world was in a state of shock. We had never seen anything like this before. And, you know, immediately after that, churches were filled. People who had not been, who had not darkened on the doorsteps of a church for years, uh, they were suddenly in the pews. And even in the Church of God, people who were missing, for, missing in action for years suddenly came back. And I hope... Yesterday, 19 years on from 9-11, that you took some time to remember those who perished, to remember the first responders who went in there to save lives, and many of them also perished. And it was a time that the nation of America and maybe the whole Western world really came together. And we wanted to understand what happened, who did this, why did it happen? And almost immediately after that, the nation began to be demoralized. And we could no longer think about who did this and why they did it and and how America could uh, take vengeance on their enemies. Instead, we began to side with our enemies. And and in fact, uh, Islam became the most uh, uh, fastest-growing religion in America after 9-11 as part of this demoralization process. And here we go, 19 years later, people don't really care. There, there isn't the the big national coming together and remembering and, and the sense of, uh, you know, patriotism that we saw immediately after 9-11. That's all gone. That's all eroded. But it is interesting that immediately after 9-11, how there was this swelling in church attendance because many felt that this was the end and that soon – you know, we had entered into the last days, and soon Jesus Christ would return. And and maybe out of fear and fear of the tribulation was this the beginning of the tribulation? Uh, that there was this focus now on getting right with God. Now, 2020 is another such marker like 9/11. There's the world before 9/11, and then the world after 9/11. And then and 2020 with the coronavirus and and the, the the riots and and you know cities burning. Uh, the, the upcoming election and all of the meddling and the, the um, tension uh, in, in the streets of America and, and just the Western world, what's going on and globally, uh, there is this marker of 2020. And again, people are wondering, is this the end? Have we entered into the last days? In all of this confusion and, and trauma and, and sense of you know, pending doom and perhaps this being the end, Let me ask you this, when was the last time that you thought deeply about the fate of the Jews? When was the last time that you thought deeply about the fate of the Jews? In fact, how often do you, as a Christian, think about the fate of the Jews? You know, most magic is really – there is a thing called real magic and witchcraft. That's a real thing. But there's a lot of fake magic. But a lot of the the, the premise of magic is really the art of deception and sleight of hand. And the magicians, while they're uh, experiencing or practicing their craft, they'll always spin a narrative. And it's through the narrative, while they're talking, they're taking your attention to a certain point in the room. They want you to look at a certain thing because of the narrative. Maybe they have an envelope and they want you to... And so they know how to direct your attention to that envelope. Meanwhile, the real trick is happening somewhere else. But the brain cannot process multiple things at once. It it tends to focus on one thing at a time. So they know through their narrative, they can direct your attention to a certain spot. And while you're looking at that, the real thing... Is happening somewhere else. And when you finally look up, you're like, what happened? How did that happen? And you just have no idea how they pulled the rabbit out of the hat or whatever it is they did. Well, if we don't listen to the right narrative, if we get swept up in the wrong narrative, the main thing will be happening right under our noses. And we'll have no idea. When it finally happens, we'll we'll be shocked. Like, how did that happen? And that's what I mean by the great exchange. There's a great exchange taking place, and it's a multidimensional exchange. And it will all happen without anybody realizing it, because they're listening to the wrong narrative, and they're looking in the wrong place. Jesus Christ warned us in Luke 21, if we look at Luke 21 and verse 36, we see that Jesus Christ warns us to watch He says, watch you therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the son of man. So Christ is telling us to watch. Satan wants us to look and be distracted and look the other way so that we don't see what's actually happening. Christ is giving us a narrative so that we can focus on the main thing, and we can see what's happening. And when everybody else is surprised, we're not surprised. When the wicked have no idea, Christ says the wise will understand. We want to be among the wise. What is the context? What is the context for Christ saying to watch therefore? Watch What's the narrative that he gave us before he gave us the command to watch? Well, let's pick it up in Luke 20, verse 45. In Luke 20 and verse 45, he says this, and and he says it in the audience of all the people. So uh, they're all there. Then in the audience of all the people, he said unto his disciples, beware of the scribes. Which desire to walk in long robes, and love greetings in the markets, and the highest seats in the synagogues, and the chief rooms at feasts. This is what they love. And Christ is saying, in another place he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Christ is saying, these people are hypocrites. All of this uh, religious expression, I don't accept any of it. It's all hypocrisy. It's all fake. Then in Luke 21 and verse 12, he says this to his disciples, which we are now walking in their shoes and their footsteps, Luke 21 and verse 12, but before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogue, to the assemblies and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers, why? Why? For my name's sake. So in this end time, somebody's going to understand the importance of Christ's name. Somebody's going to be declaring faithfully the importance of Christ's name. And it's going to cause great offense. And it's going to cause persecution. But, he says, it shall turn to you for a testimony. It's going to be a great opportunity for you. Do not back down. We're talking about eternal life here. We're talking about eternal glory. This is your opportunity. This is the opportunity, and it's yours. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. So we have to be studying the word now. We have to be putting the word of God in us. So that when we're in these moments, God can retrieve it through the Holy Spirit will have it to be retrieved. It's not going to be like we've never studied, we have no clue what the narrative is, and suddenly we're before kings and suddenly we're speaking deep prophecy and deep understanding of the narrative. No, we've got to be studying now, and that's really the purpose here uh, as, as elders. When we teach you each week, it's, it's not just you know because we want to be in front of a camera or on, in front of a podium, it's to enable you. Ephesians 4, it's to equip you for the work of ministry so that you're able to do this. So Christ calls certain people in, in, imbues them with certain gifts so that in turn you can be imbued with knowledge and with certain gifts. And, and, and you know he says, if you love me, feed the flock so that the flock can be spiritually healthy and nourished so that when the time comes, you're able to do this. He will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Now, this we see in the book of Acts. The first Christian martyr was the deacon Stephen, who had a powerful gift uh, of evangelism. And they could not resist nor gainsay what he taught. And they put him to death. So, you know, everybody wants to be the teacher. But we're, we're all called to be teachers. With conviction. And not to fear death. Not to fear death. Why? Because Christ was resurrected from death. And we are Christians. We are following in his footsteps. So just as he was martyred, we are willing to be martyred. And as we enter now, these end times, the the season is changing. The season is changing. And we need meat in due season. You know, Christ wants to know that we will feed his flock. Because you need meat. We need meat. So that as the season changes and we begin to face this reality, we have courage. We have conviction. And we can do the Lord's will. So the adversaries will not. They they just won't. We will have such an understanding. Daniel says, you know, Daniel, he wanted to understand what does all this mean? And Christ said to him, go your way. It will be opened up in the end time. So those of us who are faithful, these prophecies... Will open up to us in the end time, and we'll be able to declare them and show how all the prophets tie together, and what the narrative is, and and nobody can withstand this. They, they they just they'll just have to admit all of this is true, but they won't give up their folly. They'd rather put us to death, but that's okay. Christ is telling us ahead of time so that we're not caught off guard by it. We're expecting it. He says, and you shall you shall be betrayed, both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks, and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. So, brethren, you know, don't think it's a strange thing. If, if you're persecuted, if you are experiencing fiery trials, if you're being isolated, just because the whole crowd is going one way, it doesn't mean you're wrong. Stick with the word of God and expect this. Any any persecution that we're going through now, it's just a dress rehearsal. It's just a trial run. It's just to strengthen us for this. When, When the ultimate comes together, we have to stand like pillars for Jesus Christ. So this is the reality. And you shall be hated of all men. Why? For my name's sake. You understand the importance of Christ's name. You understand how Christ's name is a part of the gospel. And and you preach the gospel. You have been equipped. The the elders have been equipping you week after week. And you've come Sabbath after Sabbath. Wednesday night Bible study. During the week you're doing your own study. So that you can comprehend the wisdom of God. The mystery of the gospel. So that you're able to preach it yourself. And make disciples yourself. And he says, because you understand his name. This is what causes the persecution. You're preaching the true gospel. But even though it says here in verse 16, some of us will cause to be put to death and we'll be hated by everybody because nobody agrees with the true gospel. Everybody's gone the other way. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. So we perish, but we don't perish. And unless you understand the resurrection and eternal life, this verse makes no sense. You know, uh, not a hair of your head shall perish, but they'll put you to death. Yeah. Because when we come back in these immortal bodies, in our spiritual bodies and manifestation, we will, ha- we will still look like God. We are made now in the image and likeness of God, but we're physical. We will still be in the image and likeness of God, but we will be spiritual. And we will have hair. And that hair will be eternal. So unless we understand the resurrection and eternal life, this verse makes no sense. And later on, there's verses that will make no sense unless we understand that he's talking about eternal life. And and now, so in all of this, what should our focus be? And this is why I asked you, you when was the last time you thought about the fate of the Jews? When was the last time you thought about Jerusalem? How often do you think about Jerusalem? David said, if I forget Jerusalem... Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. I don't ever want to speak again. Not a single word if I forget Jerusalem. He said, let my right hand forget her cunning. So I don't want to be even able to make a living if I am so negligent as to forget Jerusalem. And here we are, grafted in, a part of this grand narrative, a, part of this, a major part of this grand narrative of God, what he's doing on the earth. And have we forgotten Jerusalem? Because he's telling us now, at the end time, keep your eye on Jerusalem. Don't allow the Satan or his demons or his ministers, these ministers of, of darkness, uh, the deceivers. You know, he says evil men shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Don't fall into that. And part of that deception is going to be looking elsewhere. While everything, the main thing is happening in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the epicenter. And, and Christ is telling us, watch Jerusalem. So when 9 11 happened, the first thing we should be asking is, what's going on in Jerusalem? Instead, we've got people panicking, oh no, the end is here, and they're coming back to church, and uh, they don't understand the narrative. When you shall see Jerusalem surrounded with armies, then know that the abomination of desolation is coming, the abomination that will make Jerusalem desolate. The thing that Daniel spoke about, it's about to happen. And that's the signal we're looking for. That nobody's going to understand, but the wise will understand. In fact, Christ says in Matthew 24, go and read Daniel and make sure you understand it. Whoso readeth, make sure he understands. When you, my faithful followers, the people who are listening, who who believe in me and follow my commandments, when you shall see Jerusalem surrounded with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is near. And that abomination of desolation, that's the key. It's not 9-11 was terrible tragedy. And, and there's more to come. America is going down. And, and it's a shame that even Christians are participating in the destruction and demoralization and destabilization of America. And when America goes down, we're going to see these things happen in Jerusalem. Because right now America is, is stabilizing the Middle East. But beginning with the Arab Spring and the previous administration, and the taking down of the Libyan and the Iraqi and all these different uh, strongmen in the Middle East, it's now destabilized, and we're going to begin to see a new strongman emerge, and we're going to see armies surrounding Jerusalem, and this is what we should be watching for. Then those that are in Jerusalem, those that are in Judea. So if we're not in Judea, this part, this command doesn't apply to us. This now he's saying to those. You know, we're all Jews. We're all been grafted in. We're spiritual Jews. He is a Jew as one inwardly, but they're still the physical Jews. And those physical Jews, especially those who believe Christ, who are in Judea, it's time to flee. Don't waste any time. Flee to the mountains and let them which are in the midst of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries enter there into. Jerusalem is the epicenter. Jerusalem is the focus. God is going to reign the whole world from Jerusalem. Satan wants to be like the Most High. He knows that God is going to establish his throne in Jerusalem. He's going to sit on the throne of his father David in Jerusalem. Satan knows that. He wants to be like the Most High. So he will set up the abomination that makes desolate in Jerusalem. And he will uh, give edicts to the whole world, from Jerusalem. And he's going to slaughter everybody that is a part of the covenant in Jerusalem. And all of this is going to happen before Christ returns. So this period that we're in, between now and trumpets, it's, it's, it's symbolically, it's a, it's a busy period. And we, we can't afford to, to be distracted. In this period between now and the return of Jesus Christ, We need to be very focused. Our attention needs to be very focused. We can't afford to be taking our energy and our attention and dissipating it. It needs to be very focused. He he continues. Verse 22. For these be the days of vengeance. Somebody's taking revenge. Somebody is envious. Somebody hates God's people. And this is their opportunity to take vengeance. Vengeance. Satan has been cast down. He knows he has a short time. He's going to work through human beings. And he despises the covenant. And he despises the covenant people. And there's a the people who feel that, no, we are the covenant people. We, we, we are uh, from the firstborn of Abraham. This should all be ours. And so now this, there's the, this is their opportunity. For these be the days of vengeance. Why? That all things which are written may be fulfilled. All of this has been written. Satan's wrath is actually a tool of God. He says the Assyrian is the rod of his anger. Egypt, the Pharaoh, was the rod of his anger. You know, Pharaoh thought he was doing his own bidding. God was allowing it and using it to form a people. And then he will use the Assyrian to punish this, this same people. So so these things have been written, and we're going today to examine some of these things which have been written so that we can understand, so that we can be among the wise. If we don't know what's written and how it's being fulfilled, we're going to lose our focus. We're going to be distracted. If we know what's written, then when these days of vengeance occur, we know, okay, this is what Jeremiah said. This is what Isaiah said. Oh, this was written in Micah. That's what Habakkuk meant. So we have to know the prophets because it's all written. And, and there's nothing that God says that he says in vain. Everything he says from the beginning of creation he never forgets and he fulfills everything. And between now and the return of Christ everything that he promised will be fulfilled. The wise will understand but the wicked will have no idea. He says now so these things which are written have to be fulfilled. They have to be. And they are so severe, what's been written, that in verse 23 he says, But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. Because there are things that are written, curses upon this people, that it doesn't matter, even if you're pregnant, even if you're a nursing mother, if you are the descendants of the people upon whom these curses have come, there will be no mercy, only vengeance, for there shall be great distress in the land. There's a focus. There's a focal point. That the great distress will be in the land, and wrath upon this people. So I said, when the last time you thought about the Jews, and the fate of the Jews? Christ is telling us this is what we need to be watching. That these are His people. These are people of the covenant. We've been grafted in, but these are the people of the covenant. And they have been unfaithful, but God is faithful. So the covenant has, you know, if-then clauses. If you're faithful, here are the blessings. If you're unfaithful, here are the cursings. But it doesn't remove the covenant. A covenant is not a contract. You know, if if you and I enter into a contract, we have if-then, and uh, there's exit clauses. So if I if I'm not faithful to my part of the contract, you can then cancel the contract and have a contract with somebody else. That's not a covenant. A covenant is, we are now in a relationship eternally. That's it. You know, our marriage covenant, we're in a relationship till death do us part. But in in, in Christ's covenant with Israel, with Abraham, it's forever. He'll never change it. And so, these people broke the covenant. It doesn't end the covenant. It just activates the curse clauses. And so, the curse clauses have now been activated, and there will be great wrath. Upon this people. And they, the covenant people, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. So he said that all things that are written must be fulfilled. Now he's quoting the very things that have been written. So he's quoting Jeremiah, he's quoting Isaiah, he's quoting the prophets, that they shall fall by the edge of the sword. That's what the prophets said would happen. In fact, the, the prophets are quoting Moses. This is what Moses in the Torah said would happen. And, and God does not speak in vain. We might forget, but God doesn't forget. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. This, this, the all things must be fulfilled. So they're gonna. These people think that you know Jerusalem's ours. We belong here. So in 1948, they all came back, and you know they believe God did this for them, and this is the fulfillment of Scripture. No, well it is in a way, because the people have to be in the land in order to be taken out of the land in the end time. And I know there's some people out there say, oh, these are not the real Jews. We're the real Jews. Well, if you're the real Jews, you better get to Jerusalem fast so that you can be slaughtered there. Because the real Jews will be slaughtered in Jerusalem. So says the word of God, which cannot be undone. And shall be led away captive into all nations. So all nations agree with this uh, agenda. All nations agree with this initiative and this project to root these people out of Judea. And to take them captive and take them to the ends of the earth. These are the days of vengeance. And they don't realize. They think they're powerful and they're doing mighty things. They don't realize this is the word of God. This is the will of God. This is the will of Jesus Christ. And people don't know Jesus Christ. They just see Jesus Christ as this warm, cuddly, big brother that doesn't matter what you do. He forgives everything and he's tolerant of everything. No, Jesus Christ is coming to slaughter And we must understand before trumpets, the fulfillment of Christ's return comes, we have to understand who we're serving. As mighty as he is in mercy, that's also how wrathful he is. He's multidimensional, and he's coming to shed blood. And if we as Christians don't understand that, we can't preach the true gospel, and we can't be properly prepared. So these people shall die by the edge of the sword, and they will be led into slavery into all nations. And Jerusalem, the focus, what we got, this is what God is focused on. This is what we should be focused on. God is not focused on New York. God isn't focused on Texas. He's not focused on California or, or Canada or England. His focus and what he's asking us to focus on in the end time in order not to get distracted, in order not to be deceived, is Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So the Gentiles are going to be given three and a half years to, make, to wreak havoc in Jerusalem, to have their way in Jerusalem. what we're looking for. We have been written. Verse 29, he says, And he spoke to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now at hand. In the same way, when you see these things come to pass, if you're not looking in Jerusalem, if you're not looking at the Middle East and what's transpiring there, you know, if you're just focused on New York, if you're just focused on the Western world, then these things are developing in Jerusalem and it's going to be like a magic trick for you. It's just going to, things are going to suddenly happen and, and i 'm going to tell you in part two the great exchange it 's a multidimensional multi dimensional exchange it's massive it's kind of the only word I can um, use to describe it right now is crazy there's a crazy just unimaginable maybe that 's a better word unimaginable there's an unimaginable multi dimensional expe- exchange that's going to take place, and if we 're not watching Jerusalem, we have no idea it's coming, so likewise you. My faithful brethren, when you see these things come to pass, which things? Did he mention New York? Did he mention London, England? Did he mention Paris, France? Did he mention Toronto, Canada? Did he mention South Africa? Why are you looking in these places? When he said, when you shall see these things in Jerusalem come to pass, then you know that the kingdom of God is near at hand. Jerusalem is the clock. Jerusalem is what we're looking for to understand when, this king, when we get to usher in the kingdom of God. Truly, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. And we know from the Torah, generation is 40 years. So when this happens in Jerusalem or start, when these things start to happen, it's all going to happen It's in an accelerated manner. So again, if we're distracted, if we're looking the other way, these things are going to happen very, very fast. And we're not going to understand it. Suddenly the great tribulation is here. And and, and it's been like a snare to us. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away. So everything that he's just declared about Jerusalem. None of it will pass away. And in it he said that all things that are written might be fulfilled. So none of those words will pass away. All of it will be fulfilled. And take heed to yourselves. You faithful followers. You Holy Spirit Imbued brethren, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that's already happening. The people who are most animated with the cares of this life, if you stop them and ask them, what is going on in Jerusalem? They have no idea. So it's already happening. Drunkenness, sort of a false doctrine and cares of this life and so that day come upon you unawares you were looking in the wrong place and because you were looking in the wrong place you didn't think anything was happening and then you just all got caught up and then suddenly the whole thing happens unawares and then verse 35 for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth the wicked will have no idea but the wise will understand We'll be watching Jerusalem. We'll understand what's going on. Watch you therefore. This is the con all of this is the context for him saying, Therefore watch. Watch what? Watch New York? Watch Toronto? London? Paris? Johannesburg? What should we be watching? Watch you there everything he just said about Jerusalem. Watch you therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. What are the these things? Well, he says that in Matthew 23, what the these things are. And in fact, Moses, he's quoting Moses in the Torah, says what the these things are. And do the these things lead to the ultimate destruction of God's people, unless they repent. So we can't just read this out of context and think, oh, we, we have to escape the tribulation, and, and we have to escape uh, dying. He already, he already said, some of you are going to put to death. It's okay. You won't perish. Not a hair of your head will perish. Death is okay. In your patience, you'll possess your soul. So be, be, be calm, be cool, be collected, be confident, be convicted. It's okay. So it's not death we're trying to escape. You know, some, some false ministers use this to terrorize their, their members. That if you don't follow me, you won't get to go to the uh, great escape and the safety, place of safety, and you'll go into the tribulation and you'll die. He already said, some of you are going to die. It's okay. So it's escaping these things, because if you don't escape these things, there's judgment for you. Daniel says some are going to be resurrected to shame and confusion, everlasting contempt, and some will be resurrected to glory. This is what we're praying, that when we stand before the Son of Man, we'll be resurrected to glory. So again, I'm going to focus today on the context of this great exchange that will happen immediately before. Jesus Christ returns, which is symbolized by trumpets. So this period between this Sabbath and next Sabbath is the period of the great exchange, this multi-dimensional, massive exchange. But we need context for it. We need to understand what did what, what did the prophets write, and when we have the narrative, then we'll understand the exchange. So let's see how Christ began his warning to his disciples as, as they asked him, you know, okay, help us understand when we'll, under, when we'll know the end time. And in Matthew 24, the first thing he says is, verse 4, beware, take heed that no man deceive you. So uppermost in Christ's mind in his love for his people was oh, deception is going to take over the whole world. Everybody's going to be looking the wrong way. And like a snare, it's going to capture the whole world. And so he was saying, like, don't follow the crowd. You focus on what I tell you to focus on and constantly guard against deception. Because that's, that's in this period, between now and the return of Christ, deception is going to be the order of the day. So you beware that nobody deceives you. Why? Because many shall come. How, how many? Does he say, because there will be a few? There's going to be a few that are going to come? No, this is a massive. Deception will be coming from every angle. Satan is all out. He's throwing everything. It doesn't matter which deception gets you, as long as deception gets you. It doesn't matter which deceiver hoodwinks you, as long as a deceiver hoodwinks you. For many shall come in my name. And what are they going to say? That I'm Christ. And still they're going to deceive many. So so the identity of Jesus Christ is going to be an issue. You know, as as the as this period unfolds, there is going to be a focus on Jesus Christ. And people are going to acknowledge, yes, Jesus Christ is Christ, and they're going to be saying Christ. And yet there's deception. So unless we have the full picture, we're going to be hoodwinked, we're going to have the wrong Christ. We're going to think, oh yeah, that's Christ. That's what Christ would say. No. If we have the whole picture, then we will not be deceived. And, and he says, many deceivers will deceive many. He says, so notice that you t- use of the word many. Many are going to come deceiving, and many will be deceived. So deception is going to be the order of the day. And his, his, his whole concern was that his disciples would not be deceived. Now, what would they be deceived about? Well, if we go into Matthew 23, the, just be the, the context for Matthew 24, in Matthew 23 and verse 35, he says, and he curses Jerusalem, he says that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. All of the, all of the blood that has been shed upon the earth, all of the righteous blood that has been shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel, unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Barachiah, whom you slew between the temple and the altar, truly I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. So he's cursing Jerusalem. And that's quite a curse. Every righteous drop of blood that was shed, beginning with Abel, all of it is going to come upon the head of Jerusalem. That's how much he has cursed Jerusalem. But then he says in verse 37, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that killed the prophets. So Jerusalem is the, 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 the den of Satan, the den of demons. That's what Satan does. He takes over what's precious to, to, to God. And so Jerusalem, which should be the city on a hill that the whole world is looking to, has become the, the extension of Satan's will. And he says, Oh, you that kill the prophets. And stone them which are sent unto you. And so he's going to be sending, in the last time, his people to preach to Jerusalem. But what do they do to those that are sent unto them? How often would I have gathered your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't have it? It didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be the way it's going to be between now and the return of Jesus Christ. It's going to be spectacular in a very negative way. It's going to be catastrophic. But it didn't have to be this way. Jerusalem chose this. Jerusalem activated the curse clauses. And so Christ is now cursing them according to the covenant. He hasn't broken the covenant with them. He's just activating the curse clauses. But then he says, and then he says in verse 38, Behold, your house, that is the temple, is left unto you desolate. The very center of their worship there will be an abomination that makes desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me again until you shall say, and this is this is the clue then that the covenant is not broken. That as much as he has pronounced this profound curse, this unprecedented level of cursing, that every righteous blood that has been shed, will, 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 uh, Jerusalem will be held accountable for it as much as he has pronounced this profound curse upon Jerusalem, immediately he says, you won't see me again until you shall say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So somebody understands the relationship between the name of the Lord and the gospel. And somebody is preaching the true gospel and integrating in the preaching of the true gospel, the name of the Lord, so that these people who are cursed come to understand who Messiah is, come to understand the power of his name and the truth of his gospel. And so right here we see the covenant is not abolished. They just activated the curse clauses, but ultimately God will fulfill his promise. So, so this is the first, in terms of context for the great exchanges, or as I say, the great exchange, the multidimensional great exchange, the first thing we need to understand is great tribulation is decreed upon Jerusalem and Judah. We must understand this, that all, every righteous blood, all of it, every drop that has been shed, Jerusalem is being cursed and held accountable for that. And we see in Isaiah 6, so we have to, Isaiah, um, when he began his ministry, when he was called to be a prophet, uh, there's a foundational scripture here that we have to have rooted in our understanding. And in Isaiah 6 and verse 9, when, when Isaiah volunteers to go and to, to represent God and to deliver his message, he says, Isaiah 6 and verse 9, and he said, Okay, great, you volunteer to go? Good. Go and tell this people. Who is the this people? The Jews go and tell the Jews hear you indeed, but understand not and see you indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people, which people, the Jews make the heart of the Jews fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. We wouldn't want that. Because they've activated the curse clauses. And God being God, meaning he's always faithful to his word, he's going to fulfill his word. And it's only when his word is fully fulfilled that this curse will be lifted. So we will find ourselves in a period of time before Christ returns, where no matter what we're saying to these people, and our ancestors have said to these people, they just, they'll just they see it, but they won't understand it. They'll hear it, but they won't believe it. Their hearts are just arrogant. Even though we're saying, you are the covenant people. This is your Messiah. They don't care. They don't understand it. But Christ says they will understand it. Because even though they're cursed, he says, you're actually going to call out to me. And when I, when I appear, you're going to say, there he is. Blessed is he. So, so there is going to be a change of heart. But Isaiah is really confused. So, okay, I'm going to declare this message to them. They're not going to accept it. In fact, they'll be arrogant and and, um, aggressive towards me about it. How long will this continue? So in verse 11, he says, then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, he gave an answer. So what is the answer to this blinding, this hardening of the hearts of the Jews? He says, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man. And the land be utterly desolate. So there's a reason for the abomination that makes desolate. It brings to pass all those things that are written. And it ends the, the curse clauses. The activation of the curse clauses can now be ended. And, and the people will be able to see. And the people will be able to hear. And their hearts will be circumcised instead of fat. And they'll, they'll say, blessed is he. Who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Lord has removed men far away. So that's what this is what Christ was saying. That they're going to be taken into the far, by the Gentiles. Away from the, the land. And into all these other nations. And the Lord, the Lord has done it. This is Jesus Christ. Christ is doing this. Do we really know Jesus Christ? Do we really understand his full comprehensive character? And when Jesus Christ has removed men far away. And there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. So that is Isaiah, sort of the foundational prophecy that we have to understand. As we focus on Jerusalem, we have to understand why the people don't understand what's about to befall them. But still we have to preach the gospel to them and let them know. Because eventually, as, as, as the punishment comes, as the curse clauses are activated, eventually their hearts will be humbled and they'll hear the message. And they'll understand the name of the Lord and they'll call to him. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 4, Jeremiah 4 and verse 5, again to the faithful. You know, we've been kind of um, given this replacement theology where we think now, oh, yeah, he used to work with uh, ancient Israel. He used to work with the Jews, but he's kicked them out. Uh, You know, they're despised. And now he's working with the church. We, the church has replaced the, uh, them. And then, and then you know Muhammad comes along and he says, no, no, no. Now he's replaced the church and now he's working with the Muslims. And, and all of these replacement theologies are basically saying God is unfaithful. He cannot be trusted with his promises. We are those who say no. When God enters covenant, he enters covenant forever. And he never goes back on his word. So we now understand we are firstfruits fruits of the harvest. Of Israel. And that the rest of Israel. Will be harvested. But we're the first fruits. And we're the first fruits. Because we have a mission. To take to declare. To the fall harvest. And the rest of the world. Here in Jeremiah 4 and verse 5. He says. Declare you in Judah. This is where the declaration must take place. We have to be watching. But we also have to be declaring. Declare you in Judah. And publish in Jerusalem. And say, blow you the trumpet in the land. There's a warning. Cry, gather together and say, assemble yourselves. And let us go into the defense cities. Set up the standard towards Zion. Retire, stay not. Because I, Jesus Christ, will bring evil from the north. So the king of the north is coming. And a great destruction upon Jerusalem. The lion has come up from his thicket and the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. So the the time of the Gentiles has to be fulfilled. So the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. He has gone forth, and if we're distracted, we're looking at New York and Toronto and London, we can't give this warning. We have no clue what's going on. He's on his way. The destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. He's gone forth from his place to make your land desolate. To make your land desolate. Desolate. And we know from Isaiah that that's sort of, as painful as it is, it has a purpose. And your city shall be laid waste without an inhabitant. That's exactly what God told Isaiah. Until it gets into this state where it's desolate and there's no inhabitant, the people's heart will be fat. Their ears will be stopped and their eyes will be blinded. For this gird you with sackcloth, lament and howl. For the fierce anger of the Lord is not turned back from us. Jesus Christ has fierce anger. And, and if we're true teachers of, of God, we are teaching this. That yes, he has great mercy. But as great as his mercy is, so is his anger. The, the prophets describe his anger as fierce. And he is doing this to his own covenant people. According to his word for the fierce anger of the Lord is not turned back from us and it shall come to pass at that day says the Lord that the heart of the king shall perish and the heart of the princes, and the priest shall be astonished and the prophet shall wonder then said I Ah, Lord God surely you have greatly deceived this people and Jerusalem saying you shall have peace whereas the sword reaches unto the soul. None of the wicked will understand, but the wise will understand. When they're entering into these peace agreements and think, oh, great, we've got peace. We've negotiated agreements with our neighbors and, and there shall be peace. Somebody needs to be saying to them, no, no peace without wholehearted repentance and a return to the covenant. Just as that's what the ancient prophets did. They always spoke the covenant into the people's ears. And that's what we as first fruits must be doing, reminding people of the covenant and saying, No, you can't have peace. You've broken the covenant. Oh, Lord God, surely you have greatly deceived this people. You've done this, God. You've greatly deceived this people. And Jerusalem saying, You shall have peace, whereas the sword reaches unto the soul. And again, God does this, brethren. If we don't love the truth, He tests us. He tests us with deception. To see if we'll fall for it. If we're okay with the fact that, oh, well, it's not true, but I don't care. He doesn't want that. He wants people who love the truth. And if something's not true, we're like, hey, that's not true. And if something is true, even a small little fact, we're like, you know what, that's true. If it's true, we accept it. God wants people, and I found in my years uh, in the church, my decades in the church, that sort of the differentiator, when I see is is God calling somebody? The one thing I look for is their love for the truth. If I, if, I, if they're asking me questions and I tell them and I give them truth, and they're all over it, they're like, I need, I need to know more. Okay, God is, God is calling this person. If they're if they're casual with the truth, then I don't, I don't, I don't see. i it's never, it's never been where they're casual the truth, and I see they they really have a calling. Verse twenty six, Jeremiah four, I beheld and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness and all the cities thereof the cities of Judah were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger <laughs> do we understand if we if we know God do we understand just how angry he is and when we're coming to celebrate the feast of trumpets that we understand that he's going to be unleashing this fierce anger in fact all leading up to trumpets, he's unleashing his anger upon his people. And then on trumpets, he unleashes his anger on the Gentiles. But this, we're in a period of fierce anger. And if we know Christ, we understand this. If we're trying to communicate to people, everything's fine, God is, loves everybody, and everything's fine, and You know, you're his children and he loves you. And as a loving parent, he would never harm you. And if this is what we're teaching, we don't know Christ. And we don't understand the time that we're in and just his fierce anger. All of this is by his fierce anger. For thus has the Lord said, the whole land shall be desolate. And then listen to verse 27 here. For thus has the Lord said, the whole land shall be desolate. Okay, that's prophetic. All the prophets agree, from Moses on. Yet, will I not make a full end? That's the covenant. And we should be hearing echoes of Matthew 24 when Jesus Christ was on earth. And he said, if, you know, if those days were not shortened, no flesh would be saved alive. And the focus is Jerusalem and the cities of Judah. And he says, if those days were not shortened, no flesh would be saved alive. Yet, for the elect's sake, for the sake of the covenant, for those who have been elected into the covenant relationship, for their sake, those days shall be shortened. This is this is what Christ is quoting. He, 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 he inspired Jeremiah. That the whole land shall be desolate. The abomination that makes desolate shall be set up. Yet, even in my fierce anger, will I not make a full end because of the covenant. For this shall be, for this shall the earth mourn and the heavens above be black. And again, echoes of Matthew 24. Because I have spoken it, I have purposed it. We should know God's purpose. And I will not repent, neither will I turn back from it. So again, the wise will understand. When God speaks, when God gives his word, he never goes back on it. So we have to be in God's word, understanding what is his purpose, so that we can declare his purpose. The whole city shall flee. For the noise of the horsemen and bowmen, there will be no peace. There will be military invasion. And the whole city shall flee. Again, echoes of Matthew 24, Luke 21. They shall go into the thickets and climb up upon the rocks. Every city of Judah shall be forsaken. And not a man dwell therein. Yet he says, I will not make a full end. In verse 30, when you are spoiled, what will you do? Though you clothe yourself with crimson, this is the the heart that's waxed fat and they're arrogant. Though you clothe yourself with crimson, and though you deck yourself with ornaments of gold, though you rent your face with painting, in vain shall you make yourself beautiful. Your lovers shall despise you. So all these agreements that you're going to get into and have these lovers and to betray the covenant, God says, don't do those things. And yet you're doing these things against the covenant. Well, you think you have peace? We're here to tell you, your lovers will despise you. They will seek your life. For I have heard a voice as of a woman in travail. Again, echoes of Matthew 24. And the anguish as of her that brings forth her first child. So all of this is for a purpose. And all of this anguish is for a purpose. God will not go back on the covenant. But there's a necessary process to get the people... I, I referred to this in one of the Bible studies as, as the washing machine. The people have to go into the washing machine and be bounced around and have trauma and turmoil in order to come out clean so that God can have the covenant relationship with them that he decreed from the beginning. A woman, you know, I, I have heard the voice as of a woman in pain, like anguish, and the anguish of her that brings forth her first child. The voice of the daughter of Zion, so the Zion of the end time before Christ returns. The daughter of Zion that bewails herself. That spreads her hand saying, Woe is me now, for my soul is wearied because of murderers. Echoes of Matthew 24. This is what Christ was alluding to. So if you're, if you're in the Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, flee to the wilderness. And yet he says, I will not make a full end in Revelation 12, we see there's going to be a place of safety prepared for her to shield her and nourish her in the wilderness. Run you, or at least a remnant, run you to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Where's the focus? Streets of New York? Because of 9-11, okay, it's the end time. More 9-11s are coming. America must be brought down, and with it, the rest of the Western world. And with it, the protection that Jerusalem enjoys to, to encourage her now to want to enter into peace agreements with her neighbors, her lovers. And those lovers are going to betray her. And according to their doctrine, they're going to murder her. And they'll have no mercy. You're pregnant. You're a Jewess and you're nursing a baby. They don't see you as human. These are the days of vengeance. Run you to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof. If you can find a man, if there be any that execute judgment all this time of justice, Christ is saying, hey, go through the streets of Jerusalem. And if you can find somebody that's really concerned about true justice. And again, um, our deacon Jan gave a a message with Pastor Murray mentioned on God's justice. Well, if you can find somebody in Jerusalem who cares about God's justice, that seeks the truth. Again, we have to be people of truth. God is looking for people of truth. And if you can find somebody in Jerusalem that seeks the truth, then I'll pardon Jerusalem. (laughs) This is quite amazing. This is God's assessment of the covenant people in Jerusalem at the end time that he will pardon the city and the abomination that makes desolate will not be set up if he can find one person that truly cares about God's justice. Jeremiah 5 and verse 2, and though they say the Lord lives, this is what they comes out of their mouth, surely they swear falsely. O Lord, are not your eyes upon the truth? Again, we have to be as first fruits, we have to be people of truth. And God's eyes are upon the truth. Jeremiah says, O Lord, are not your eyes upon the truth? You have stricken them, but they haven't grieved. You have consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. Why must there be a time of tribulation that is unprecedented? Why must it be so great that the world has never seen anything like it? Because God is faithful to his covenant. And he's in covenant with these people. But he has stricken them over and over and over again. But they haven't grieved. You know, the latest round was the Holocaust. And instead of turning to God, they blamed God for that. Instead of turning to Christ, they reject Christ. So, oh, and we we just went through the book of Judges. And from way back anciently. And all through their history. Over and over and over again, God has stricken them. But they have not grieved. Truly, God God seeks truth. You have have destroyed them, but they've refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. Verse 6. Therefore, a lion out of the forest shall slay them. Now we see the beast coming. And a wolf of the evening shall spoil them. A leopard shall watch over their cities. this this multidimensional beast. Everyone that goes out there shall be torn in pieces. Amen. Because their transgressions are many and their backslidings are increased and God will not let go of the covenant. He promised Abraham. He promised Isaac. He promised Jacob. And so these people, whether they like it or not, they are the chosen people and In in order for God to get them to a state where he can fulfill the covenant, these things have to happen. Verse 15, Jeremiah 5. Lo, I will bring a nation upon you from far, O house of Israel, says the Lord. It is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation. He says the rod of Assyria, or or Assyria is the rod of his anger. A nation whose language you know not, neither understand what they say. Their quiver is as an open sepulcher. They are all mighty men. Verse 18. Nevertheless, remember he's a covenant, he's a God of covenant, he's God that keeps covenant. Nevertheless, in those days, think Matthew 24, those days will be shortened. Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, I will not make a full end with you. Why not? He's he's so angry. His anger is fierce upon this people. They won't receive correction. And so there's going to be this unprecedented calamity. And yet he says, I won't make a full end of you. So there's going to be this unprecedented... It's so, these people are so vicious that if you're a pregnant woman running for your life in Jerusalem, they don't care. They're going to slaughter you. Slaughter you and the baby. If you're nursing, they don't care. They're this so vicious. These are the days of vengeance. They want, they, 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 the, the, the hatred of Satan is manifesting through them. And the hatred of the covenant is manifesting through them. And Satan wants to make a thorough, comprehensive destruction of these people. And yet God says, I won't allow it. I'll actually shorten the days. I will not make a full end with you. And it shall come to pass when you shall say, Why does the Lord our God all these why does the Lord do all these things to us? Then you shall answer them. Somebody's going to answer. When they're bewildered, like, Why is this happening to us? We're you know, we're the Jews, we we're, we're God, we're the covenant people, why is this happening to us? Then somebody's gonna answer them. Like as you have forsaken me, they're going to, we're going to speak on behalf of God and the name of God. Like as you have forsaken me and served strange gods in your land, so shall you serve strangers in a land that is not yours. Jeremiah is just quoting Moses. This was this was established from the people who were established in the Torah. And then God says, Declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah, saying, Hear now this, O foolish people. So this is not, the, the true gospel is not, oh, Christ came and He died for everybody, and it's just lovey dovey dovey dovey, lovey 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 dovey. Time for love, everybody, lo- big hugs, everybody, lovey lovey lovey. Those people with that message, they're gonna collapse in this period between now and the return of Christ, when the fierce anger of the Lord is unleashed, and their doctrine, their teaching, cannot explain what is going on. They, they feel like even they, the, the, even Christians, will be, have no explanation to the Jews. Because the Christians themselves thought that God was just all lovey-dovey. But if we under, truly understand the narrative, truly understand God's love, his faithfulness, his eternal love, when all of this fierce anger is being unleashed, we'll be able to explain why it still represents. God always acts in love. He, he, God is love and we'll be able to explain it and we're told declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah saying hear now this O foolish people you know that might sound a bit confrontational but this is what God is telling us to say you know, Paul himself said oh foolish Galatians what has bewitched you so it's not always lovey dovey hear now this O foolish people and without understanding so the wise will understand but the wicked won't understand they'll be looking the wrong way Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding. Listen to Jeremiah. He quotes Isaiah. Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. So there's a curse upon these people. And the curse is deception. They're allowed to be deceived until the great tribulation thoroughly brings them to true repentance And then finally the deception will be lifted. So God is telling us we have to understand these things in order to declare them. We can't allow Satan, as he's distracting the whole world and and filling the whole world with with hatred. And that's another thing about the deception is the whole world is being filled and being imbued with this uh, spirit of hatred. And Christians, if we're not careful... We're going to get caught up in it. We're going to get caught up in it. And so we have to be ready to answer this. So we who understand God's love, we're going to understand that the great tribulation leads to the great redemption. That's why these things are happening. The repentance must be thorough. And Jeremiah is just quoting Torah. He's quoting Moses. Moses is the original, laying down the original prophecy. In Deuteronomy 4 and verse 26... He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you shall soon utterly perish from off the land where unto you go over Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall be utterly destroyed. This is what they haven't even stepped in the land yet. Moses is still alive. He's not allowed to go into the promised land. They're going over with, with Joshua and he's telling them already, you're not going to stay there. You're going to be destroyed. Because he, he understands why. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations. This is what Jeremiah was quoting. The Lord shall scatter you, or certainly aligned with the original prophecy. The Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and you shall be left few in number among the heathen. But, but you will not. he will not make a, an utter end. You'll, you, there will be the seed, the DNA will still be left, because God will fulfill his promise. You shall be left few in number among the heathen, where the Lord shall lead you. Verse 28, and there and there you shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But if from there, if from there you hear the true gospel message preached and you repent, but if from there you shall seek the Lord your God, you shall find him. If you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul, that's what God is after. Stop the hypocrisy. Stop saying we're God's people and we're so righteous and stop following the scribes and the Pharisees. Stop the leaven. And somebody needs to preach this to you and explain to you what is happening so that in your bewilderment, you seek Jehovah. When you are in tribulation, so Moses already saw the tribulation, and it's periods of tribulation, but there's a great tribulation to really get to the root and core of repentance. When you are in tribulation, when all these things are come upon you, Even in the latter days, if you turn to the Lord your God and shall be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. God always acts in mercy. He always acts in love. Everything that he does is always an expression of eternal love. So this great tribulation, the fruit of it is going to be beautiful. The great tribulation is going to lead to a great redemption, a true redemption. And somebody needs to understand this and understand how it's good news. When everybody's losing their mind and nobody can explain this, there's a a calm and a strong and a confident voice saying, this is why, this is what's happening. We were telling you all along. Do you see now? Do you see? Turn to Jeremiah. Turn to Micah. Turn to Malachi. Turn to Habakkuk. Let us show you in your scriptures what is there. And they're just going to be like, how is it that these Gentiles are telling us what our prophets, and we, didn't, we don't even understand. Because this is the, the mystery of God. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you. Why? Because he's entered into a covenant. He will not forsake you, neither destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore unto them. God is a God who keeps covenant. In Deuteronomy 30, he says, verse 1, And it shall come to pass, when all these things, and that's these things, Moses was the first one to declare, these things will come upon you. Christ, when he says, these things will come upon this generation, he's quoting Moses. And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse. So he's, they've activated the curse clauses, which I have set before you, and you shall call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you. And you shall return unto the Lord your God. Moses is seeing this. He understand. Moses could look ahead into the future right up to the time of Christ's return. And he's saying it's going to all work out in the end. And it's really going to work out. It's going to be beautiful. But it's going to be ugly between now and then. But you shall return to the Lord your God. And you shall obey his voice according to all that I command you this day you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. This is what God is after. Stop the hypocrisy. And somebody needs to understand this and understand God's focus and why it's happening and declare it. That then the Lord your God will end your captivity and have compassion upon you and will return and gather you from all the nations. We should be hearing Matthew 24 that when Christ returns, he's going to send his angels to the four corners of the earth to gather his elect and bring them back to the land and have compassion upon you and will return and gather you from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. So all of this now, we come to the scripture reading for today, which was Daniel 12. And so we'll come to Daniel 12 and let's understand what Daniel wrote. Daniel 12 and verse 1. And at that time, what time? We would have to read Daniel 11. So this is the time now of the great tribulation. This is the time now of the abomination that makes desolate. This is the time now of the Antichrist. And at that time, shall Michael stand up? Because he's not going to make a full end. Though he brings this people down to their knees to true heartache, so that their hearts can be circumcised and their ears can be opened and their eyes can be opened. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of your people. Daniel was a Jew. Israel has been divorced. The northern tribes have been divorced. The covenant is still in Judah. Ultimately, Christ will take Israel and and make them one stick with Judah. And we, the first fruits, are grafted into Judah. The covenant remains. And it's going to be a renewed covenant. Not a new covenant, a renewed covenant. Same covenant, just renewed. At that time, shall Michael stand up. The great prince which stands for the children of your people. Michael stands for the Jews. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. to Even to that same time. So there is a nation that is going to suffer trouble like no other nation. That nation is Judah. And in fact, the whole house of Jacob. But the focus is Judah. And the focus is Jerusalem. And somebody needs to understand this. And and the words of Daniel need to be opened up. So someone can tell the Jews, turn to the book of Daniel. Let's read it together. At that time, and at that time, shall your people, the Jews, shall be delivered. Every Jew that shall be found written in the book. So there will be a repentance. All all of this happened. In fact, the reason for the great tribulation was so that there could be this great redemption of the covenant people. We who are first fruits are declaring this. We're, we're, We're enabling this to happen. God is in heaven. His church is on earth. It's our job to declare the gospel. We're telling people, I know it looks bad, but it's good news. Your redeemer is coming. So that they can say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And many of them, that is Jews, that sleep in the dust of the earth, they've been slaughtered, but in going down, many of them are going to have repented when all of this heartache comes upon them and they hear the true gospel. And many of the Jews that sleep in the dust of the earth, all of this is focused on Daniel and his people. Daniel's only thinking Jews here. We, we suddenly make it about everybody. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. And that will be our doing. We have preached to them so that they can accept their Messiah. And even though they die, when they're resurrected, they're resurrected to everlasting life. But some, they're so hard-hearted. They're so hard-hearted. And unfortunately, this is the reality. There's going to be a separation. God is going to divide the covenant people between those who will repent and have their hearts softened and those who are just so uh, evil. That There's nothing they can do to, to make it right with God. So some will be resurrected to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. So there, there is a wisdom, a uh, people with wisdom in the end time. These are Jews, spiritual Jews, people, Jews that have been grafted in, who understand and are able to provoke The physical Jews to jealousy. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And again, we like to just generalize this. But Daniel is hearing this thinking of his people, the Jews. So there are many Jews that will be turned to righteousness because they've heard the true gospel. And those of us who have been declaring the true gospel to these Jews that are scattered into all different nations and being punished and humiliated, and we're preaching the true gospel and preaching his name, and, being, and we're being persecuted for his name's sake, we're turning them to righteousness. We're turning them back to the covenant. And God says, I love you for this. Thank you so much. You're going to shine as the stars forever and ever. But you now, O Daniel, you Jewish man, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, but knowledge shall be increased. So God says to us now in Matthew 24, Who is that wise and faithful servant that will give to the household meat in due season? Because knowledge will be increased. God is going to ensure that the knowledge is available. And that when everybody's distracted and looking the wrong way, he's going to have people who are going to be preaching truth. And he's going to have people who are going to be fed by it, responding to it, who will in turn preach truth. And collectively, we're going to preach the true gospel and turn many to righteousness. Gentiles will be converted into Judah, grafted in. And Judah will wake up and say, blessed is he who comes to save us. Because they'll have understood and know who their Messiah is. In verse 80 says, Daniel says, I heard all of this. All of this knowledge was revealed to me. I didn't understand a word. In in my context, in the time that I was living in, none of this made any sense to me. But I was told that there will be a people after me that will understand all of this. And they will declare it. And brethren, that's our job. And it is so exciting. We, We don't have to be afraid of human beings. We have been recruited by God with the powerful word of God. The sword of the Lord is in our tongues. And we get to preach this reality into the world globally. And his people are going to be scattered all over the world. And we will be preaching the true gospel globally with the sword of the Lord. And we're going to be hated for his name's sake. But we will not back down. And he's going to give us the the ability to speak these words. And we don't have to contemplate beforehand. We're so obsessed with all of this information. And how it's just unfolding and and being unlocked. We're so filled with it. That you can stop us anywhere, anytime. And we're ready. And that's what we're doing week to week. Trying to be this faithful servant who's giving meat in due season. To prepare you to give an answer. To prepare you to turn many to righteousness, to prepare you to shine as the stars in heaven forever. We're talking forever. You're going to shine forever. As long as you're part of this and you're not distracted and getting caught up with things that don't matter. Your focus is God's focus. My focus is God's focus. We're focused on Jerusalem because that's what God is focused on and everything revolves, his whole agenda revolves around a a Jerusalem. And Daniel didn't understand. But he recorded it. Because he said, there's going to be a people that come after me that will understand. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed until just before my return. That when the fig tree begins to bloom, and you see the buds on the tree, you know that summer is near. Likewise, when you see these things, you know that the kingdom of God is coming. And so there's going to be a people who see these things, who are not distracted, who understand, and who preach the kingdom, and preach the name of the Lord. But, and at the same time, they're able to do that, because these words are opening up. Daniel didn't understand them, he just recorded them for us. Many... Meaning many Jews shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. And that, that wisdom begins with the first fruits. And then from the first fruits, we recruit more first fruits. And then some of them, they'll be brought to repentance, but not to yet having the Holy Spirit. So they will go over into the millennium as physical Jews, who accept Christ, who are who are brought back to Jerusalem. And they will be the priest class. Them with the rest of the tribes of Israel will be the priest class to the rest of the Gentile world. And, and, and the whole world is going to understand the covenant and how it unfolds and the faithfulness of God and the proper narrative and how to see things properly. And the scales will be lifted off the eyes of the Gentiles as well. And so he says in verse 11, from that time to the and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, so the daily sacrifice will have to be in place in Jerusalem and then the abomination that makes desolate is going to take it away, here it is, and the abomination that makes desolate set up there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days blessed is he that waits and comes to the thousand three hundred and thirty five days so there's forty five extra days in there and so something is happening in that extra forty five days But go your way until, but go you your way till the end be. For you shall rest and shall stand in your lot at the end of days. So he's going to come up with the wise. He's going to come up to glory. But he didn't understand these things. So all of this then is the backdrop that we need to understand the great exchange. And it will blow your socks off. It is a massive, multidimensional exchange that nobody's going to see it happening until it happens. And it, it's, it's going to be a head-scratcher. It's going to be like, how on earth did this happen? Everybody's going to be surprised, except the wise. So, God willing, uh, tune in next week. God willing, I'll be here, you'll be here, and uh, we'll be able to talk about this great exchange given the backdrop of what the prophets have taught us. God bless you.
1: Thank you so much, Pastor Adrian, for that uh, very enlightening and, and inspiring message. Um, reading the comments, certainly appreciate your passion and your the depth of understanding that you're conveying to us. So thank you so much for that. And we certainly look forward to part two next week on the Feast of Trumpets. We will close with prayer now, and immediately after the closing prayer, we will sing uh, page 61 in your hymn books—a very meaningful hymn. And as we sing the words, do 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 meditate on the words that we sing. We talk uh, often here, uh, as you've heard over the last number of weeks and months, about the faithfulness of God to His covenant. We will sing after the closing prayer, "Great is Thy faithfulness," and then we very much look forward to having you with us again next Sabbath as we celebrate the feast of trumpets so we'll we'll close our head and we'll bow our head in in prayer and then uh close off with the hymn great is thy faithfulness father in heaven we are just so very humbled to be in your presence we thank you so very much for jesus christ we thank you for your plan to redeem mankind through israel we thank you so very much for that covenant that you made with abraham so many many years ago and that you have stayed true to your word and true to your covenant and are revealing more and more to us as the end approaches we thank you for those who have been able to enlighten us and reveal these things to us that you've revealed to them we thank you so very much for the privilege and an honor that it is to be in your body, to be amongst your covenant people. We ask you to stir up your spirit within us, to take this seriously, to really take advantage of this extra time that we have here now before the events of your of your word unfold, and to be serious about our calling, to be serious about about your word, to come to a deeper and, and fuller understanding of the true gospel, the true good news that you have preserved for us. Back from the, the words and, of Moses down through the prophets and into the words of Jesus Christ and your apostles, we are so very grateful for it. We're grateful for this truth. We're grateful that you will bestow it upon those with the courage to carry it forward. Give us that courage. Give us that boldness. And as we dismiss these services here, we just ask for your continued protection, your continued inspiration as we prepare to commemorate your holy time next week, your annual festival, the Feast of Trumpets. It begins a a period of three weeks of intense opportunity for us to get right, to check ourselves, to spend extra time with you and with each other. And we just are so very, very blessed and grateful that you have looked down upon this vast planet with so many billions of people and you reveal yourself and your truth to a select few. We thank you for that. We ask you to help us to live up to your expectations and to, to dismiss us here this afternoon. And we just are so very grateful to you and your son, for all that your plan means in our lives. Dismiss us here. Go with our brethren wherever they are. And we just thank you so very much for your truth and this opportunity to worship together. We do so and we dismiss. ask your dismissal on these, this service in the name of our King and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.